My favorite thing is going to the All the moms are going to tonight and all your friends are in there. Enjoy, my angel. No, not myself. I made you from scratch, remember? Fred is dead. Waking up in Aaron's bed, stinking of shame and coconuts. Mam warned me to stay off the Malibu. Vague recollection of Aaron carrying me to bed last night and then taking the couch. His couch is leather-like. He'll be peeling himself off it come midday. Realise I've set the alarm for 8.55am, which I obviously thought gave me plenty of time to make my 9am shift. Peel myself off the bed like Liz Taylor in the late 80s, only to be greeted by a picture of Emily Murray posing in a metallic two-piece on Bondi Beach. Posted on all social media outlets 37 seconds ago for maximum coverage. Bondi is everything, reads the caption. I have the personality of a spoon, is what it should read. Emily is Aaron's older brother's ex-girlfriend's younger cousin. She moved to Oz two summers ago on a one-year working visa and was just so delighted with herself over there. She never came back. Mam says she feels awful sorry for the parents who brought her up with all they had, only for her to leave them with nothing but the walls to talk to. Emily was an only child. You'd know it too at the way she went on. Aaron's house has two sets of stairs, one from the attic and one from the landing. I stop at the bottom to check him out on the couch, draped in Ikea's best fur, his arm over his head. And on the underneath of it, there's a tattoo of the angel Gabriel. The skin there is slightly raised, but so soft. I think it might be my favorite part of him. Oh my man, I love him so. He'll never know. All my life is just despair. But I don't care. When he takes me in his arms, the world is bright. All right. Thank Jesus, there's no one else awake in this house yet because I'm not in the mood this morning of his owl one. Davina. Me and Aaron's mother have been in heavy opposition for the last five and a half years. You'd think in that time she'd find a way to come around to the fact that I'm probably going to marry her son. But people surprise me every day. I liken her to Joan Crawford and she calls me Little Miss, like I'm one of those cartoon characters from the Roger Hargreaves book collection. We make the beds in this house, Little Miss. She's caught me devouring a Bellevue, a breakfast biscuit over the kitchen sink. I'm vulnerable. I'm eating 
Sorry, Davina. She takes pleasure in telling me she's been consorting with my mum since last night, tracking my whereabouts, confirming the time and condition in which I came home. That's unnecessary. Your mum worries, Deborah. It's her job. But I'm 21. A mother's work is never done. It's excessive. She knows it and I know it. With unwarranted sympathy stapled to her face, she takes the wrapper from my hand. I'll take this. Then makes an offer to get me my coat, which I know I've left hanging out Aaron's attic window in an attempt to air out the coconut vomit. I tell her I don't have a coat. Leave without saying goodbye to Aaron. Hope he doesn't think I'm pissed off with him. Actually, I hope he does think I'm pissed off with him. I am pissed off with him. Going rosy thinking about that fight last night. Kira Cabra. Cabra being her location, not her family name. Kira from Cabra. Works in shoe with my Aaron. And when I say she's nothing short of a dark-haired devil, I mean it. Always with the emotional manipulation. You know the type. I need a lift home. My car's died. I need a hug. My dog's died. I need help zipping up this dress. I need help drinking this shot. Please, I'm just a little girl of a thing. And he takes everything at face value. They all do. Men. Debs. Maybe she did need help drinking the shot. Phone Ali on the way to the bus stop. Ali is the kind of person who stirs sugar into her tea without ever tipping the edges of the cup. She also has an irrational fear of ketchup. We've been best friends since we were three and before my mum became arachnophobic, her parents and my parents used to go on cheap cruises together during the winter. Did I say arachnophobic? I meant the other one. What the fuck happened to you? Debbie, one minute you are there, the next minute you are gone. Me and Aaron were fighting. Ah, uh, I can't keep up with this bleeding saga. Ali's been trying to get me to finish with Aaron ever since. She broke up with the world's shittest boyfriend, Kev, three years ago. Kev had two girlfriends. One for the daytime, one for the nighttime. I think his name is Manuel. Fellas can be such brutes on the sly. It's complicated, I tell her. It's always complicated where it concerns him. Oh my God, Debbie Taxi Man last night was creep of the week. Asked me, did I put the holes in me jeans on purpose? You know, me ripped ones. Like, why don't you go fix the holes in our economy? Mind your business. <laughs> Are you there, Deb? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? It's ma'am, precious boy. It's ma'am, love. Get off me! Son, wake up. Fred, stop it. Son, can you hear me? It's it's ma'am. Don't touch him! As long as he needs me. Oh, yes, he does need me. In spite of what you see, I'm sure that he him so much when he is gone but when he's near me I don't let on the way I feel inside the love I have to 
got my pride as long as he needs me. Hang up. I'll tell her later I ran out of credit, even though it's 2016 and everyone is on bill pay. Agrophobia, not arachnophobia. Aaron's got his own message tone. I have to know whether or not it's worth checking. Nothing worse than diving for your phone and realising it's just Domino's offering you a 24 euro meal deal. Hey Chubbs, you never got to thank me for carrying you home last night. A mistake, surely. What time you finished work at? I'll come over after. Full stop. I'd rather him have left me drunk asleep in the jacks than take me back to Casadel Mommy Dearest last night. Scrolling through the emojis, looking for the perfect passive-aggressive reply when I get a call from Mags. My phone is blown up this morning and I'm feeling pretty popular before I remember. I sent her 29 commies in a row at half three this morning. You're after putting the fear of God into me, she tells me. Mags is my dad's sister. We've always been close. This year we made a resolution to lose weight, which started with ordering slimming pills online that... Turned out to be orange flavoured Tic Tacs. I like to think I'm helping her through her divorce. Mags McInerney was born in 1972, hot on the heels of the contraceptive train. She sported an ill fitting perm throughout the 80s and can be spotted in the background of almost all my baby photos. In a previous life, I bet she was a moving statue. Picturesque, but ultimately unpredictable. He had it coming, he had it coming He only had himself to blame If you'd have been there, if you'd have seen it I bet you you would have done the same She arrived home on the 22nd of December last to find all her stuff in the hallway of the Greek street flat she shares with her husband and a note that said, I simply could no longer. When I got there, she was collapsed inside an empty suitcase, surrounded by all the alcohol she could find, which included a very questionable bottle of grappa. When Gary got home, we were both well on our way. I tried icing the grappa in the freezer to make it taste better. He explained that by putting all her stuff in the hallway, he was asking her to leave. She explained she understood, but was unwilling to do so. I threw the iced grappa at his head. He had it coming, he had it coming. He only had himself to blame. If you'd have been there, if you'd have seen it, Upstairs to bed and we continued till all the drink was gone. Then I collapsed into the suitcase. I could hear them shouting at each other at some stage. They were on the landing, I'm not sure, talking about him, talking about Eric. I met Eric a few times when I was in the bookies with Aaron. You'd never know he was gay. Then again, you'd never know Gary was gay either. I can hear the distaste in Mag's voice when 
I tell her about the argument I had with Aaron last night. Remember what I said to you, lady? You're too full of life to be half-loved. Deb, what time you finished work at? I'm coming over. We need to talk. Full stop. Salty tears prick at my taste buds. I'm scarlet. A woman with a pram asks if I'm all right. Then I notice the pram doubles as a skateboard. That makes me smile. Aaron and I met at Disco in Barcode. He has the face of a really attractive pit bull. His eyes are grey-blue and he always smells of outdoors. I was sort of hypnotised into thinking his orange Lacoste tracksuit held a certain allure. I felt like I'd known his face for a thousand years. I had Ali ask him if he liked me and he told his friend Rob to tell Ali to tell me. Yes, he did like me. After we kissed, the silvery saliva highlighted a mild cleft lip I hadn't yet seen. He rubbed his nose clean and said, I don't usually go for gingers. I've only two two euro coins in my purse, which is just fantastic. Try paying onto the bus with... 195, please. The driver asks... Where to? Town. It's 270 to town, love. Yeah, I realise it's 270 to town, but I've only two euro. And bear in mind, my mouth is like the Sahari Desert after last night. I'm going to need that other two euro for a can of Coke and a packet of chewing gums. Not my problem, love. Great. Now skateboard pram is staring me out of it. Am I wearing something belonging to her? I begin to walk into town. I'm already 25 minutes late, so another... 45 won't hurt. Everyone is out this morning in the sun. It's almost like summer. I see a middle-aged woman of about 35 waltzing out of Glasnevin Cemetery. Irish people find such joy in death. Looking up at the Rapunzel Tower, I wonder how much time it will take to grow my hair that long. Mine hasn't grown since the leaving. Stress, Mom says. Mom says hair only grows when you're happy. Hair only grows when you're happy. A woman, wheeling a pram, catching a second nipper by the hand. She drops something jingly and bends in half to pick it up. She is the consistency of a jelly. I'm closer now to realise she's not just a slow mover. The little boy's chocolate button eyes look up at me. Lost. I ask her, do you need any help? Her older chocolate buttons look at me, glazed. What, love? I feel uncomfortable. I pick up the keys anyway. I look at the kids, two of them, did I mention? And I ask the one that looks old enough to comprehend his name. Freddy. This is me ma Hazel. Me brother Caleb in the pram there. He talks like he's been smoking cigars for 20 years. I tell him my name. Debbie. He smiles and tilts his head like he thinks it's a funny name. Caleb. That sounds like something you rub into your temples to get rid of a headache. The ma clips him on the back of his head and says, Monson. He wears one diamond earring. Fred? Freddy? 
All I do is dream of you the whole night through. With that dawn, I still go on dreaming of you. You're every thought, you're everything, you're every song I ever sing. Summer, winter, autumn, and spring. And were there more than 24 hours a day, they'd be spent in sweet content dreaming away. When skies are gray, when skies are blue, morning, noon, and nighttime too. All I do is dream of you the whole night through. The sun is springing down on rough and tumbling Talbot Street when I finally make it into work. The ore is gone from Liberty Travel. That's new. I slink into my office chair like an orange tabby and Cathy at the neighbouring desk offers me some Muse perfume because I smell like cat's piss, apparently. Clawing her too long lilac nails through my hair, she's trying to make me look presentable. I'm already going to get in trouble, Cat. Shh, 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 Now, what went on last night? Who were you with? What did you drink? Where did you go? Kathy is like a featured extra from Erin Brockovich. She's wearing a denim skirt today and dark plum lip liner. She's always offering me knock-off Gucci watches. And she's a nosy bitch. I tell her the Aaron story anyway, partly because she already knows our history so can form an educated opinion, and partly because I just want someone to tell me to shut up. She seems dismayed at the don't start this when you've had a few drinks line. She asks if Aaron has ever told me he doesn't like what I'm wearing. I don't know what she's getting at. What you mean? I mean, never trust a boy who barks. He doesn't bark. What does he do, Dan? Silence. Her eyes narrow and she lifts her chin like she's struggling to see me. Mmm. All men are dogs and all dogs bark. Silence again. I turn on my computer and look at the date. June 6th, 2016. This time last year, I was graduating from Dublin Business School with a degree in hospitality. Hospitality. I never really knew what I wanted to do. I like music and I like dancing because they make you feel good, but once, after a well-crafted performance of Tomorrow from Annie out our back garden, my mum told me I had no rhythm and suggested that if I was really into that sort of thing, I could go into backstage work. Shortly after that, Ali and I went for one of those open calls for the Cinderella Panto. They were on in The Ambassador, and by the time we got there, the line was all the way past the Garden of Remembrance. Ali came for moral support, really. She sang Everybody Hurts from the Troker ad, and I sang Adelaide's Lament from Guys and Dolls. There were three people on the panel, I remember two men and one woman and I was the last to sing. They let me sing three lines, even though I'd prepared the standard verse and chorus. When I got home, I told my dad and he said, Not to worry. I was never any use at any of that stuff either. As if his lack of talent equaling mine would make failure easier. Of course, my first job of the day is getting a group of six the lowest possible fare for a two-week bender to Shagaloof. As they get up to leave, I feel that unmistakable wave wash over me. 
I try slowing it down by doubling in half behind my desk, but it is vicious. And before I know it, one of the lads is holding out a Tesco's plastic bag and litres of something that tastes of alcohol and more flipping coconuts is pouring out of me and onto his copy of Nuts magazine. This wouldn't have happened if I'd had me can of Coke. I rip the bag from the poor lad's hands and fall into the staff room. Martin! I'm not feeling very well. Martin, my manager, is a young man in competition for the world's largest set of teeth. He fancies me. He told me so. I can smell the Malibu and Coke off you, Debbie. Get yourself together! You needn't come back in here at the hangover, Debbie. You've driven away more customers than you've secured today, Debbie, and don't for a second think I missed you coming in 45 minutes late this morning. I tell you time and time again, I'm running out of reasons to keep you here with us at Liberty Travel. Right, okay. Great. No, not right, okay. Never right, okay, when it's your just you wait, envy begins. Just you wait. You'll be sorry, but your tears will be too late. You'll be broken or have money. Will I help you? Don't be funny. Just you wait, envy begins. Just you wait. Just you wait, envy begins till you're sick. And you'll scream to fetch a doctor double quick. I'll be off a second later and go straight to the Fifteen hundred hours and I have approximately 30 minutes left, most of which I spend on astromatch.com trying to figure out how well Aaron's Gemini sunshine matches with my cancer. I write IOU on a post-it and take 270 from the petty cash. Hop aboard the 17A and take out my phone. Need to get the screen replaced. Change my WhatsApp profile to a picture of me and Ali on her birthday. Crop her out. I look good. Check Aaron's messages again. Read over them, looking for anything else he might have meant by we need to talk. Google pictures of Bondi Beach. Pass the cemetery again on the opposite side. Pass Aaron's estate. Consider collecting my coat. Leave it as an excuse to make contact after today. See Rebecca Murray, metallic swimsuits cousin, out the window waiting at the stop I'm about to get off at. Not in the mood for small talk. Certainly not in the mood for stories about her recent travels to Bangladesh where she built cocoon childcare centres. Isn't she great? I get it, Deb. You're not talking to me over last night. Will you please just tell me what time you're home at? I need to talk to you. Full stop. I think Martin's right, you know. I need to get my act together. I start imagining a new life for myself, in which I go running every day. Or at least lift the free weights that are gathering dust under my bed. Maybe I could grow my hair long so it covers my boobs like the mermaid. What was her name? When I finally get in the door, Mam calls out, I've made spackball, even though I've told her 20,000 times I'm trying to cut carbs. Sometimes I honestly think she's trying to fatten me up so I never leave the house, like her. Where's Dad? Dad's at the parlour, she tells me. You wouldn't know he'd be here at all. He's out in the morning at the bang of dawn. Here it's coming up on 5pm and still no sign. 
I start eating grapes from the bowl on the table, which turn out not to be grapes, but big red sour balls with hard rocks inside. They're cherries, she tells me. Since when do we buy cherries? The Tesco delivery man is new. Made a mistake, she says. You could have returned them. She gives me the death stare. I'm being facetious. She wouldn't leave the house if it was falling down around her. Where's Dad? In the parlour, she tells me again. Forgot I'd asked already. When's he home? Around half, she says. Dad's one of those people who puts makeup on dead people. Fred is dead. I thought it was the coolest job ever, preteen. Now I'm starting to think it's all a little bit creepy. My brother Fred woke up dead. That sounds like a warm effect for the stone roses. But he did. We were at the beach with our animals. We have two, a dog and a cat. People think dogs and cats can't live in harmony, but they can. Fred filled up like a water balloon and coughed and spluttered like a crybat until Mam wrapped him in my towel and took him to the car. He wouldn't eat when we got in and went to bed at eight. He drowned dry. I think that's why Mam never leaves the house. Because that's where he is. Spiritually, not physically, obviously. Did you know, when someone dies, the mortician sews their mouth shut? Dad had to tie a scarf around his head first thing, or his jaw would have went like this. Oh. You know, like the mummies in that film. The mummy. Fred demanded we got Chunk. Chunk is our Yorkshire terrier even though Donna already had her cat. He failed to understand that dogs and cats don't usually get along. We failed to come up with solid examples of this. He won. He was all smart, much better than me. He was waked in his bedroom. The glow and the dark stars that were stuck to the ceiling made the white of the coffin zing like bleached teeth. I didn't want to go in. I thought if I saw him like that, all blue, like the water, I'd never be able to remember him as anything else. Aaron went in instead. He said Dad had done a lovely job. He said Fred's cheeks were still freckled and rosy and his sandy hair was gelled just nice. He said he looked peaceful. Aaron lifted me from under my arm, back downstairs and into our kitchen, where I was presented with a platter of tuna sandwiches suffocating in cling film and a glass of watery coke which tasted like socks. He carried me from under my arm without anyone noticing and we walked like that for weeks after. He was only concerned with me, which was nice because it wasn't my loss or my sister's or my dad's even. First, she wouldn't leave his bed. Then she'd make it to his bedroom door to get her tea, milky, two sugars. Then, finally, when I was opening my leaving cert results, she came downstairs. It had been eight months. I got extra points for grief. Decided it's been long enough to write back to Aaron. Home now. Work was a mare. Be over about six. Love you, X. Six. He's coming over at six.
The smell of dinner is like a lasso around me, pulling me into the kitchen where Mam juggles spag ball between forks, trying to plate it up. Enjoy, my angels. Be careful with your knives and forks. Saw Ali's ma in Aldi today, Debbie. Can't stop thinking about Aaron coming over. My heart keeps jumping in my chest. It's filling me up, making me full, which is probably good because Mam's spag ball is about 2,000 calories. Has she had something done to her teeth? Ali's ma. Dad looks like a human drywall. Mam asks if he wants anything to drink, and he does. They both do. They looked a bit... Frotty. Frotty? Veneers, maybe. Do you think? Veneers. They're all the rage now. Apparently Donna wants me to Skype her tonight, but if Aaron's coming over at six, he'll probably stay. She's working for the Mirror over in London, my sister. Dad's very proud. So is Mam, but Dad particularly. Always had a way with words, our Donna. She wrote a speech for the funeral, and one of the lines was, For now, I'll say goodbye with tears where my eyes once were. I didn't cry. Do you know what I was watching last night? Cape Fear. And do you know what I was thinking? Mam says as she cleans the corners of my mouth with her napkin. Mam, I'm not finished. Isn't Aaron the image of your man, Robert Mitchum? Who? An old actor, womanizer, lad for the drink, what? Ring any bells? <laughs> Dinner time is when I hate Donna most. For leaving me alone in this house. My eyes wander for anything else. The picture wall, big wall, 12 photos, birds, communions, confirmations, family, photos, pre and post Fred. Zante 2013, where I saw absolutely none of the sights and ended up catatonic with heat stroke day two because I fell asleep in the sun after 14 red wickets. Aaron holding a pink bucket of alcohol slush, me over his shoulder. That was the last night of the holiday and the first time I'd been to a beach since. We went on our own, me and him, away from the group, made shapes in the sand, funny penises and stuff like that. And when he smiled, there was dimples. He took my hand and led me ankle deep into the water. He said it was my loss too. Are you ever going to get your head out of clouds? Eat your food, angel. I made the pasta from scratch. Scratch, he's always saying that, from scratch. She says she made me from scratch. Be careful. I made you from scratch, remember? I creep away to my room to get ready and they insist on discussing me as soon as I leave the table, even though they know the walls are paper thin. There she goes again. Are we ever going to have dinner as a family? Don't punch a finger at me, Tony. You're the one that's always on her. You're the one that's always on her. You're the one that's always on her. And the winner is Miss Debbie McInerney in an act of desperation. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I truly never expected this. I want to thank my mom, Joy, my dad, Tony, my big sister, Donna, and my little brother, Fred. And I have to thank the glue that holds me together, Aaron King and our four children. Three children. Two ch- two ch- two's enough. Two children. Debbie! Debbie, what are you wearing? Oh, this whole thing. Oh, I got this online. One of those fancy boutiques. It comes all the way from New York City. Oh, it's so pretty. Musical starlet Debbie McInerney was spotted yesterday in the Phoenix Park with her two children and her dog, Chunk. Looking a little worse for wear, dare I say. No, you may not say, John. I think she looks incredible after working so hard all year on her new film, 
Judy and I, about a young girl from Ireland picked to play Judy Garland in the making of The Wizard of Oz. She can't do that, Robin. She's got no rhythm. She better suited to backstage work. And besides, the girl ain't pretty enough for the big screen. Well, I think she's got it, John. She has the wow factor, the star quality, the Shazam. Isn't Shazam a music app, Robin? And I think with Aaron King by her side, there is no stopping this firecracker. Well, now, here we have a problem. Sources are quoted as saying they saw Aaron King leaving the workman's club in Ireland this past weekend with another woman who can only be identified as Kira Cabra. That's impossible, John. Aaron loves Debbie. He loves her. They're married. They've got kids. Her star is on the rise. How could he? I'm afraid, Robin, that's all we've got time for. But remember, ladies, all men are dogs and all dogs bark. Aaron's here. Mom calls up. When I see him, I'm absolutely floored. As per. What's up? How are you feeling this morning? Fine. I had work, like. I left a bucket of boil in your bedroom. I deserve that. He says, referring to last night, our fight. That's his way of apologising. Suddenly I can breathe again. Until he does something he's never done before. He looks at me like an equal. And that scares me. Deb, I didn't want to tell you till it all worked out, because I, I didn't want to hurt you unnecessarily. His edges start looking fuzzy. He's wearing a pair of runners I've never seen. I can feel my cheeks burning. The visa for Oz came through. That's good. I asked you, Deb. I asked you to come with me to the embassy when I was collecting the forms and I told you I didn't want to leave you here. Silence. Picture it, Deb. I'd be walking on construction. Bobby says he'd get me a job, no bother. It's great money. Until we find our feet. You could chill out in the apartment, make waffles in the evenings until you learn to cook. Anything else? Then we can walk down Bondi Beach, take adventures, jump out of aeroplanes, all the things you're supposed to be doing at 21. Silence. Are you listening? What do you think of that? Sounds nice. Nice, yeah. Be amazing. And weather's great. You might even get a colour if you stay long enough. He pinches my cheek, makes me feel like a child. I feel like a child. I can't believe I'm only seeing this for the first time. This massive hole between us filled with his wants and my needs, constantly fighting each other for harmony. He's a cliché. He wants Australia, skydiving, week-long excursions to Thailand for the full moon party and he wants Kira Cabra. I'm tired. And I don't want to hold him back, but I don't want to be pulled forward either. I'm fine where I am. Just fine. What is it, Deb? Is it the job? You can just as easy get another one. Why don't you want more for yourself? I do. I want more for you. I can't. Well, I can't either. I can't stay stagnant waiting for you to be ready. I have to keep moving. I can't. Why not? Fred is dead! Eventually I 
drag myself to the bathroom sink. I slap my face with warm, bubbling water and I'm new again. Fresh, bright, clean again, skin like a baby's. Dad peeks his head around the bathroom door. Mum is behind him. He asks if everything is okay. I don't know what to tell him. I don't know how to tell him my insides feel like they're melting. My face crumbles into a sob. I can see it in the mirror. It looks ugly. Must be awkward. All three of us standing here watching me cry. How long do you think he'll last, I ask. Mam pipes up. Not long, sweetheart. Tell her, Tony. Dad says he had a cousin went over, couldn't hack the year, had to pick fruit on a farm or something. He asks Mam if she can imagine me picking fruits on a farm or something. He laughs. They both laugh. Every inch of me pulses with hypocrisy. I could. I could pick fruits on a farm or something. I could do whatever I want to do. Only for I am stuck here in this mortuary with the do you. Because one of us died and the other one left and there are no other options. So I'm stuck, 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 stuck. Holding you two up like the last domino. If I fall, we all fall. And it's okay, ma'am, that you only go between the back garden and the kitchen because at least you have your movies on your phone. And it's okay, Dad, that you are never home because at least you have the sunny bank on Sundays for a pint and the match. I don't question you. I don't question either of you, so don't laugh at me because I don't want to leave what little family I have left to go halfway across the world and pose in a metallic two-piece on Bondi fucking beach. I scream. I scream so loud it stops sounding and I don't want the neighbours to think that there's anything wrong, but I can't stop. <sighs> and it begins to hurt my throat. And I wish I collected my coat earlier because I don't want to have to see him ever again. Ariel. The mermaid's name is Ariel. Everything just kind of disappears inside of me like I'm sucking it in, all my shit. The bed, the movie posters, my entire room. And when I breathe out again, it comes out in colour. Lots of colour. I open the door to the landing and go into Donna's room, same as the day she left it five years ago. I search for something to suggest she exists. I go into Fred's room and I search and I find hobbit stick figures, a bubble machine, Chunk's first collar. There's a horrible part of me that wishes he was here and Donna was gone. She was already gone anyway, to London. And then I feel sick at the idea of it, that my brain could even form that thought. I feel terrible. I go downstairs. I find Mam at the kitchen table, surrounded still by the dirty dishes. She's crying too. Dad's hanging out the back door, pulling on an e-cigarette. He's not crying. I wonder if either of them have ever wished I was gone and Fred was here. I'd say so. What am I doing with my 21 years that he couldn't have done more with? 
I breathe out and the colour thing happens again. They turn to look at me. I'm sorry. They beckon me and we huddle in a hog in the kitchen. Mum apologises too and then Dad. You don't be thinking you've got to stay here because of us. You do whatever you want to do. Sweetheart, I'd be devastated, but I'd never stop you from going anywhere. Mum looks lost. Like that little boy with the chocolate button eyes. I don't think she realises what she's doing. I hope not. I'm not going anywhere. I tell her. Because I don't want to. I tell him. I take myself to bed. There's gotta be something better than this. Bondi Beach at the weekends and waffles in the evening. There's gotta be something better to do than a half-hearted hospitality degree from Dublin Business School. And when I find me something better to do in my own time, I'm gonna get up, I'm gonna get out, I'm gonna get up, get out and do it. In my own time. That was The Wickedness of Oz, written and performed by Kate Gilmore. Musical arrangement was by Dennis Clossy. Sound supervision was by Mark McGrath. The RTE radio production of The Wickedness of Oz by Kate Gilmore was directed by Garetti Slavin.